He is risen. Amen, amen. What a beautiful day we celebrate today. Uh, we celebrate with believers all across the world. We celebrate with believers all throughout time that Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to have some fun this morning walking through a story together. And the story we're going to walk through is found in Luke chapter 24. And so if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke right at the end of chapter 24. And we're going to be looking at a story of what it looks like to recognize Jesus, the journey of recognizing Jesus. And as we come to this story, there's a few things to mention about the Gospel of Luke. Uh, first of all, what was the occupation of Luke? Does anyone know? Yeah, he was a doctor, he was a physician, and now he takes the role of historian as he's looking at all these historical records and interviewing all these people about what actually happened with Jesus. Because it's pretty crazy to say someone rose from the dead, so there's got to be evidences, there's got to be reasons to believe, there's got to be something that actually happened. And so Luke, the historian, is traveling around interviewing, getting eyewitnesses to get a factual understanding of Jesus. And there's this story of, that Luke records at the end of his um, writings in chapter 24, where he records the story of a resurrection appearance of Jesus. And what we read from Scripture is that there's a bunch of different resurrection appearance of Jesus, and, and especially what we hear from the Apostle Paul says this. And the Apostle Paul, after the res resurrection of Jesus, he takes this what's called an oral creedal tradition. And this was probably the first theological statement the church made after the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul is repeating it here. Most historians date this within three months of Jesus' resurrection. This is what the church believed and said about what happened to Jesus. And Paul says this. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as what? First importance. In other words, this is the most important thing you could know in your life. This is the most important thing that each and every one of us could know in our life. That Christ died for our sins. That's what we talked about Good Friday and celebrated Good Friday according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And what happened next? Who did he appear to? He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. In other words, you can go interview them. You can go talk to them, though some have passed away. Then he appeared to James and to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to Paul. And so there's this beautiful story after the resurrection of Jesus, of him appearing to all these different people in all these different contexts. And the story we're going to read today is one of those stories of Jesus appearing post-resurrection. And it's one of the stories about recognizing Jesus for who he truly is after he has risen from the grave. And so this is all about what does it mean to actually recognize Jesus. Now, when we talk about recognizing people, has anyone ever made a mistake recognizing someone before? <laughs> One of those classics, you go up to a stranger, maybe poke them on the back or give them a hug, and then you realize, wait, I don't know you at all. And it sort of becomes this awkward circumstance, doesn't it? Um, it was fascinating when, when Rebecca and I lived in Vancouver. Uh, there was one actor or actress that she would always be associated with, and it got really bad as soon as the movie Spider-Man came out. And we were leading a youth group, and all the youth 
try to convince Becca to pretend that she was this actress. Does anyone know who this is? Emma Stone is her name, and she was a very prominent actor uh, in the Spider-Man movies. And we had a youth group that was literally right across from the theater, and all the youth kept trying to convince Rebecca that we need to go to a Spider-Man movie and set up a little booth where you can sign autographs and pretend to be Emma Stone, right? That was their purpose. But, of course, Becca is a person that doesn't like all the attention herself, so she always refused. And so this is a comical mistake that we often make with people when we recognize them for someone else or we get personalities or individuals mixed up. We, we laugh about mistaking someone at times. But what if it was more serious than that? What if mistaking someone's identity was more serious? And what if the identity of someone and knowing the identity of someone could absolutely change your life. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus. Because when we recognize Jesus for who he truly is, when we know Jesus for who he truly is, it absolutely changes our life. Amen, church? And so this becomes a question of utmost paramount. And so I want to read for us today this this beautiful story about recognizing Jesus and what it looks like to recognize Jesus. And it's a story called The Road to Emmaus. And it was mentioned a little bit in the video just to give you a context of it. But let's walk through this story together. And so Luke chapter 24, I'm going to walk us through the story together as a whole and then we're going to process it together and see what God has to reveal to us through his word And so this is how it begins, verse 13. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. This is after he's already been to appear to people, and this is what we read. It says, that very day, the day of what? Jesus' resurrection. It's one of the first things he does. The very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles, 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. Now, where did Jesus just die? In what city? In Jerusalem, right? Get that in your mind. So they're walking away from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking what? Looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, are you ignorant? And he said to them, What things? And sort of Jesus sort of plays along with it. And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, 
And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and he was at the table with them. And he took the bread, and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sights. They said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before God. Gracious God, we come before you this morning celebrating that you are alive. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who journeys with us. Lord, even when we walk away from your presence, even when we walk away from your will, even when we walk away from the most significant thing we could ever experience in our life, you still seek after us. You still walk this journey with us and explain to us where meaning and purpose and salvation and truth is found. And so I pray for us this morning that as we contemplate your word, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would transform us as we recognize you who for you truly are. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. What a gracious gift that is. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're walking along this journey, and and we come across these two disciples, Cleopas and his companion. Uh, We don't know exactly who his companion was. It could have been his wife. It could have been a friend. Uh, But whatever the situation, how are they walking away from Jerusalem at this point? What are some words that would characterize them? They're sad. They're scared. They're confused. They lost hope. They were hopeless. Everything they had hoped for had completely fallen apart. They're in despair. They're in grief. They're in trauma after crucifixion. All of these things are literally crumbling around them. They are so caught up in their despair, they can't even recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And in fact, they even miss the presence of God because as they're walking, who literally shows up to walk with them? Jesus. 
It's crazy. It's wild. And it makes me think, like, how many times have we been walking through life and not even recognize the presence of God in our lives? Anyone guilty of that? How many times we walk through life and, and realize that God is trying to speak to us, trying to communicate to us, and we don't even listen to his voice? We can so easily journey through this life without even recognizing God's presence and God's words in our life. There's so many times, there's countless times where God is working and we think he's a million miles away, and yet he is right with us. Now, as far as the, the posture in which they're walking as well, sad, defeated, in despair, who here has walked that journey as well? We've walked a journey of despair and doubt and confusion and hopelessness. We've journeyed through this life traumatized, grief-stricken, disappointed, and defeated in so many contexts and so many places. And this is a story that is very open and honest about hopelessness and loss. It is also a story about how God comes to us in that darkness, in that despair, in that hopelessness. Because it reveals to us a God who journeys with us. Jesus is walking with them. And so we, we see they've lost hope. And they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're leaving the city. And they had all these assumptions about Jesus and who he was going to be, and they thought he was going to bring this new reality and this new kingship to Israel. He was going to cast out Rome and raise up this new nation and take power and authority, and yet when Jesus dies on the cross, everything that they were expecting absolutely crumbles. Everything falls apart, and they're done. They gave up on Jesus. There's no more hope. And so they leave. Now, what's crazy about the day in which they're leaving? How many days after the crucifixion was it? Three days. What did Jesus tell all his disciples to do after three days? Look for him. Wait for the resurrection. Three days I'm going to rise up. And literally on the third day, and what's crazy is they say, what more, this is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. What were the women saying? The first gospel proclaimers of the resurrection. They went to the tomb, and what did they not find? They didn't find his body. In other words, the tomb is empty. They even told us that they had visions of angels and said he was alive. Some of his companions even went and found the tomb just as the woman said, all this evidence is before them. Jesus told them to wait three days. The women say the tomb is empty. They have these visions of angels explaining that Jesus is risen. Other people saw the empty tomb, and yet what are they doing? They're still walking away. They're still leaving the city. They still didn't believe. They're walking literally in the wrong direction. Instead of looking for Jesus, instead of anticipation, could this be true? Could Jesus be alive? I mean, just think, you think you would wait to the fourth day at least, right? You would wait to the fourth day at least. But the crucifixion traumatized them so erratically that they leave. And I don't know how you're feeling this morning. You may feel very similar to these disciples. 
where you feel like I'm walking away from God, I've lost hope in God, I've lost His presence, I lost anything, I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I don't believe this because I'm angry at God, how could He let this happen in my life? I'm depressed and I'm heartbroken and I'm hopeless, how, how could God change anything? But here's the good news, here's the beautiful news, that even when we walk in the wrong direction, even when our path is away from God and away from His purposes and away from His presence and away from His will, guess what God still does for us? He still walks with us, amen? He still gives us His presence. Now, I don't know about you, but if I rose from the grave and defeated death, what's the first thing I'm doing? I'm going to party and celebrate, amen? That's the first thing I'd be doing. I'd be going to celebrate. I'm looking for someone to celebrate with. Let's have a celebration. Let's have a party. Rose from the dead, conquered death, conquered sin, proved myself as God, so to say, as Jesus did. And yet, what do we see Jesus doing? He's walking with the two saddest people in Israel. Isn't that crazy to think about? Jesus should be celebrating right now, and he's taking a long, dusty journey with a bunch of sorrowful, depressed, despaired, hopeless people who think that nothing good could ever happen. And yet, he comes to them. And what's even crazier is, what do they start doing in his presence? They start lecturing Jesus about everything that just happened. They're lecturing the very person that experienced all these things, right? That would have taken incredible patience for Jesus, right? I, I would have, like, he, he sort of gets to the point where he, he talks to them, oh, foolish, how could you not believe? That would have been the first thing I said. <laughs> I would have got them like, you guys are walking the wrong direction. How stupid are you? It's this way. This is what you were supposed to be doing. And yet Jesus is patient with them, and he patiently listens and he listens to their complaints, and he listens to their grief, and he lets them explain their trauma, and he lets them process their hopelessness. Isn't that beautiful that God does that, not just for them, but for us? That even when we cry out in despair and grief and sorrow, God isn't one that just says, you know what, get over it, I rose from the dead. He says, I'm going to walk with you in your grief. And one of the craziest verses that also has to do with resurrection in the Bible is who knows what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Does anyone know? Jesus wept, right? Shortest verse in the Bible, that should be the easy memorization one for all of you. But Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. Now, what's the context of that verse? What's the story going on there? What had happened? Who just died? Lazarus. One of Jesus' friends had just died. Now, what's crazy is what happens at the end of the story? What does Jesus do for Lazarus? He raises them up. And so, wait a second. Why is Jesus weeping here when we know that just in a few moments, Jesus knows that he's going to raise up Lazarus? Yeah, why would Jesus weep? Why would Jesus sorrow? And, and it's interesting when we think about it because it frames us then a character of who God is. 
God is a God who weeps with us. And part of the reason why Jesus weeps, even though he knows he's going to raise up Lazarus, is because our God is a God who enters into the pain of us as humans, doesn't he? He enters into the pain that we experience. And God, God wants to lean in here. He wants to know it. He wants to take it. He wants to absorb it. He wants to embrace us. He wants to be with us in our suffering. And this is why Christianity is the best, amen? Because we don't have a God who's sort of just a dictator and uh, abusive and manipulative. We have a God who literally comes in and enters into our pain. And not just that, he absorbs our pain and takes on our sin himself so that we could come out the other side healed. This is our God. And so Jesus is walking along with these disciples. He's entered in their grief and their pain. He's listening patiently. He listens patiently as they talk about how amazing Jesus was and how he's supposed to be this great prophet and how he's supposed to do all these things. But at the end of the day, they say Jesus was the biggest disappointment. And Jesus listens through all that. He says they're, they're thinking how Jesus ends up as this huge disappointment. See, this is what's wild. I think this is where Jesus had to speak in. Because these disciples thought their plans for who Jesus would be were the best plans. And Jesus says, no, my plans are way better. And this hits us hard because often our expectations of what life should be and our experiences in life almost never match up, do they? (laughs) What we expect out of life and what we experience out of life almost never match up. And so for a lot of us, we go around disappointed. We can even be disappointed with God. We, we can feel like he let us down. We, we can feel like he's this disappointment and his plans don't make sense. But this story reminds us, and Jesus really speaks into the situation, that the plans of God are far better than ours. Amen? And, and so we see like the, the disciples have this hope that Jesus would be the redeemer of Israel. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I am the redeemer of what? Of all creation. The, the, the disciples had hope Jesus would bring into this new political reign and overthrow Rome. And Jesus says, no, I'm the king of the cosmos. I will overthrow all evil and justice, not just one empire. And the disciples still have the audacity to say, we had hoped. And hope is literally standing in their midst. So at some point, these disciples need to know the truth. And Jesus explains it to them. And so whenever we're walking away from God, sometimes we just need to humble ourselves. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what, God, I had all these purposes and plans. I was walking in this direction. I had this thing that I wanted to accomplish. I had this timeline that I wanted to see it done in. And God just says, no, I have better plans. I'm sovereign. I'm king. You give your allegiance to me and walk the right direction. And and so what we began to realize is that Jesus explains all these things to him and he basically tells them that the entirety of history is wrapped up in him. 
that the entirety of the Old Testament story was all pointing to Jesus, and that literally all of history was coming to the person of Jesus Christ in his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and we have to realize something about it because we need to realize that all of life is about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. The resurrection changed everything. That means now all of our lives orient around the purposes and plans to which God calls us to and His kingdom and His purpose and His mission and His values. That's what it means. And our journey is so similar to those found in the story because it's often filled with trauma and grief and disappointment and sorrow. And at times we walk these slow, sad steps Yet if we recognize Jesus for who he truly is, it changes everything, amen? It's what we desperately need. And so here's, here's what Jesus does. And I want to point out just how transformative realizing that life is all about Jesus does. Look at this story together. It's, it's quite wild when you think about it. So Jesus is walking with them. He's going to go on a little farther once they get to Emmaus, but what do they do? They say, Jesus, you come with us. It's getting late. It's getting dark. It's not safe for you to travel. And so he comes to the table with them, and instead of him being a guest, he turns into the host here. Isn't that interesting? They think they're going to be the host and welcome Jesus into their home, and this is another way of Jesus flipping the script on them. And he becomes the host, and he begins to break bread. And, and this is when the, the disciples realize what? This is the moment when they recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And they realize that resurrection is possible. And Jesus rose from the dead. And so their eyes are open and they recognize and they say, we can't believe it was you all along. It's crazy. And you see the grace of God here. Now, here's what's wild about this story. This is where we hear how absolutely transformative Jesus is. Because now, after they recognize who Jesus is, they say, did our hearts not burn? And otherwise, why didn't we recognize this the entire time? How could we not understand truth when it was in our midst? And this is them transformed. That same hour, again, this is late at night. They had just traveled 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. That same hour, they did what? They went back to Jerusalem. Why? Because there was a message to share. There was hope. Now think about this. No sensible Palestinian would have traveled 11 kilometers. Now it's close to the middle of the night. They're not going to pack up and go 11 kilometers back in the dead of night. Thieves, muggers, risk, all these things. It was so unsafe to travel at night. And yet now we have this massive transformation that the same hour that they realized who Jesus was, their hearts were so transformed, their lives were so transformed that they completely knew they had something to do because Jesus is risen. There is hope. There is purpose. There is meaning. There is life to be lived. There are people to tell. And so they sprint probably back to Jerusalem. Why? So that they can tell that Jesus was risen. 
And so what we see is this crazy transformation of these sad, grief-stricken, despairing, traumatized disciples who are just sort of treading through life. And yet after they recognize Jesus risen, all of a sudden they have all this energy and excitement and passion and purpose and hope and all these things drastically change in their life. And after they realize this good news, they need to tell people about it. And so even though the path they were now called on was dark and dangerous and threatening and a fear of being mugged or robbed, they said, we don't care about any of that because we have the greatest news the world has ever known. And this tells us something about the transformative nature of knowing Jesus because we see these dull, defeated people becoming fearless, Amen. We see these adventuresome leaders come. We see these cowards become courageous. We see these timid people become triumphant. And these disciples became witnesses because they met the living Jesus. And all they could do was tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is risen. Amen? And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where your journey is at this point. I don't know how much you know and recognize about the true nature of who Jesus is. There's a lot of counterfeit Jesus out there. There's a lot of misunderstandings and misinterpretations of who Jesus is. I hope this story this morning gave you a glimpse of some of his character and who he is. But at the same time, the most important thing we need to realize is that our life and our future can completely change when we recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And wherever you're at on the journey, you may feel at this moment you're walking away from God. You may feel that God is distant, that he doesn't care about you. You may feel like he's not in your world or doesn't understand you. The story tells us that God is with us even when we walk away. And maybe you're a person who has sort of lived a religious life where Jesus has somewhat been in your presence, but you haven't acknowledged him for who he truly is. And you're growing and understanding. You realize you need to deepen that understanding of who Jesus is. But whatever it is, whatever direction you are walking, the beautiful thing is God finds a way. Amen? Jesus spent his first day back from the grave with two people walking away. Which means that each and every one of us have hope to be restored with God, don't we? Each and every one of us have hope that God enters into our brokenness and despair and trauma and grief, and He wants to bring healing. Amen? And so today is a day that we need to seek after God to recognize Jesus for who He truly is. And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to take a journey to the cross together, so to say. And what we're going to do just with a statement of celebration is taking this image of the cross, which is a symbol of defeat and death and despair. It's a feat of everything that is the opposite of Easter. And we're going to cover it with carnations, and we're taking to take this picture of death 
and transform it into a picture of life. Amen? And so I'm going to invite you wherever you're at. This could be a time just of prayer and contemplation for you, just for you to begin to recognize when I come to the cross, I come to Jesus, and I'm seeking to know him, and I'm seeking to follow him. And so we're just going to leave this time and space um, for you to pray, pray, to contemplate. Whenever you're ready, I'm going to invite you to come and grab a carnation and begin covering the cross. And again, take this symbol of death and turn it into an image of life and growth and victory. And so again, I invite you to spend time in prayer with God, experience his presence right now, and then come and worship and celebration with the flowers together.